0: Welcome to the Pag-Asa Podcast. For this episode, we're going to talk about the current revolutionary government proposal. When it started, how it started, and who it started with. And if you're guessing that it started with President Duterte, you would be correct. This is your Throwback Thursdays. first time we heard about a serious revolutionary government campaign from Duterte supporters was actually in October 2016, a mere six months from the time Duterte was put in power. And it was through a RevGov Solid Facebook page, and that's what it's actually called. And that page shared a post from one of Duterte's propagandists, RJ Nieto. And The shared post from Nieto actually talked about how there was speculation that the Liberal Party needed, quote-unquote, to assassinate President Duterte in order for the LP to get back its power. Now, Nieto's post, of course, had no basis. He wasn't going to provide any proof that this speculation was, in fact, even existing at that point in time. But it was enough for this RevGov page to share it and to speculate on its truth and start screaming, figuratively of course, on social media about wagnating nating hayaang si PRRD ay mamatay. So as far as they were concerned, a threat on President Duterte's life was reason enough to push for a revolutionary government, a mere six months from the time that he became president. Now. So the next time we realize there's a concerted call for a revolutionary government was in December 2016, two months after the first time we see it on the RevGov Solid Facebook page. This time it came from Jose Alejandrino, another Duterte supporter and propagandist. Alejandrino was insisting that there was a destabilization plot and he called it the opposition's game plan, quote-unquote. Now, this RevGov advocate says that after failing to discredit President Duterte, the opposition was now in the final stage of the game plan, which was to destabilize the government through terrorism and bombings. Now. Now, as far as Alejandrino was concerned... This game plan included all the criticism against the drug war. So it included Lila De Lima Senate investigations on the drug war, the UN and human rights advocates' criticism of the same thing, and what he said was the call for the to resign coming from Loida lewis in the u.s now of course lila and Loida are seen as a part of the liberal party so this is what makes it an opposition scheme plan and at this point he was saying that there was a real threat of terrorism and bombings and he used as examples north Catabato. Leyte and palawan according to him this was a trap so that the president would declare martial law and his advice was for the president not to fall for it and i quote as i keep repeating there is a better way to beat the opposition at its game it is for the people to grant the president revolutionary powers without him asking for them so at this point eight months into his presidency Duterte supporters were already talking about giving him extraordinary powers to just do what he wanted with Nation. Now. And at that time, I think none of us were really taking it seriously. And in fact, I put together this timeline because I felt like no one was even looking at it. And so in 2020, four years after, that the revolutionary government is still being talked about and that it's still on the table is actually quite telling. The closer we got to May 2017, which would have been the first year of Duterte's presidency, the louder the calls for a revolutionary government. And this did not just happen in the usual Rev. Gov. Facebook pages, but also it started happening on the pages of other propagandists. And what's interesting is that At the time, they actually thought all they needed to do was to declare a revolutionary government, and that would be it. So, for example, on February 21, 2017, the Revgov Solid FB page started blaming the oligarchy and corrupt politicians for standing in the way of, quote, real change, unquote. And it was because of the oligarchs and corrupt politicians that they felt that a Rev. gov needed to happen because the opposition was trying to obstruct, discredit, and oust the president. Those are in quotation marks. Um, so the goal of the Rev. gov campaign was just to declare a revolutionary government. Period. Full stop. So... Interestingly, they had four steps of doing it, and I will break it down for you so that you also realize how absurd it is and how, to some extent, scary it is. Okay, so first, they were going to gather at the appointed time to support and proclaim that they are giving President Duterte revolutionary powers so that he can fulfill his promise of change. Second, They will appoint a leader for each group as this leader will read the proclamation that will be distributed online in the coming days third after reading the proclamation the crowd will shout quote long live duterte mabuhay ang pilipinas unquote and fourth to ensure that the event is captured on video with aerial shots for distribution on social media with photographs as well because this is, quote, the legal basis according to the Supreme Court, unquote. The following day, they said, the proclamation for a revolutionary government will be given to Duterte by coordinators of the delegation. And then, tapos na ang laban. That's also a direct quote. So, to these revolutionary government proponents, all it takes is for them to gather enough people, get it on video, have those same people declare a revolutionary government, and then give that declaration to President Duterte, and then, tada, revolutionary government right there. Now. If it sounds crazy, it's because these people are. And you also realize that the amount of craziness that surrounds the RevGov proposal was not limited to just the set of people who were pushing for it. Because the following month, on March 2017, they actually did a Loneta proclamation. And not only did they have the hashtag RevGovna. They also had hashtag Palitbise. So it suddenly became clear that this was not just about a shift to a revolutionary government. It wasn't just about giving Duterte extraordinary powers. It was about unseating Vice President Lenny Robredo. And as far as they were concerned, that was the only way to start real change. The March 2017 event was a major one, primarily because they were invoking Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, which states, quote, sovereignty resides in the people and all power of government emanates from the people, unquote. So as far as they were concerned, if enough of them gathered in Loneta and declared a revolutionary government, that would be enough. give duterte revolutionary powers so if it sounds crazy yeah it's because it is now many other things happened in 2017 in relation to the revolutionary government campaign and many times we heard president duterte himself talking about declaring a revolutionary government because He was frustrated about how difficult it was to run government. He would talk about corruption. He would talk about oligarchs. And always, he would mention revolutionary government in the same way that he would talk about martial law. Like, it sounds like a threat and at the same time that it is justified. But while the current spokesperson of President Duterte insists that the President had said in late 2017 that he was not pushing for a revolutionary government anymore, what is more important at this point are two things. One, that in 2020, three years since the last time he talked about it, revolutionary government is suddenly back on the table and back in public discourse and when I use public discourse I mean just the propaganda of government and of Duterte the other thing that I want to point out is this very important throwback and this one happened before he even decided he was running for president and this is from a March 2015 interview by Randy David of would-be candidate President Duterte for Esquire magazine. Professor David had asked him, How would you stop corruption? And Duterte's answer went like this. And I quote, Well, first of all, I would give a warning. Maybe in my inaugural speech, I would tell the country that I would embark on a reformation of the government. The cry of the people is corruption. So we just have to address corruption squarely. I give myself six months to one year to get the desired reforms, to institute the measures to start with. But if I find it really very hard, if in every corner I have a stumbling block and people start to mess up the judicial processes and due process and everything, I would tell them not to force my hand. Because if after one year I felt that I am inutile, I will declare a revolutionary government." This is something that Duterte has had in his head since 2015, long before he even declared that he was running for president. And this kind of thinking is something that we've heard him repeat over and over again. He never says that he wants to declare martial law or he wants to declare a revolutionary government. Instead, what he says is, it's your fault that I'm going to have to do this. You are forcing my hand and this is what I will now have to do because of you. So it's never about what it is he wants to do. And in the case of his supporters, it's never about what it is that they want him to do. He tells us that this is what he needs to do, that he needs to declare martial law, that he needs to declare a revolutionary government, that his supporters have found the need for a revolutionary government because it's our fault, because the system doesn't work, because we're pasaway, because this or that happened and none of it has anything to do with him. And this is the kind of rhetoric that we've dealt with the past four years. And this is still what they're using to justify revolutionary government in August 2020, on the sixth month of a global pandemic that the Duterte government has failed to address competently. And so, you realize that the rhetoric has stayed the same, the propaganda is exactly on point, And it is part of the bigger machinery of information and disinformation that we have been trying to battle with the past four years. And this is why it's important to talk about it, not just in terms of how long it's been in the back burner, but also in terms of what it means for us now, less than two years until the next elections. Because ultimately, I think what we should be seeing is not so much that the revolutionary government proposal at this point is a distraction because sure it can be that, but also as with many things that have been thrown our way by the Duterte government, half the time the distractions are actually based on a truth. And often enough, we've seen how those distractions turn out to be actual government policy. And it's in that sense that hearing about a revolutionary government proposal at this particular point in time is important because maybe charter change is actually still on the table. And that's what we're going to talk about in the last podcast on revolutionary government.